Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. David Almeida here, and you know the drill. I'm an actor in Orlando, and every week I sit down with a friend, we watch the facts of life, and then I hit record, and then we talk about it. No big whoop. Let's just move along here. Um, This week, my guest is Joe Lorenz. Joe is a local actor. He's a teacher. He's an improviser. He performs. We work together at Sleuth's Mystery Dinner Theater down on International Drive. He hosts an improv show that he started up at uh, Theater West End up in Sanford, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump north of Orlando. And uh, more important than all that stuff, he's a super nice guy. And I really didn't know him before this, so it was a very lovely time I had getting to know him and uh, being introduced to him by way of our mutual love for the facts of life. Joe and I watched Season 3, Episode 5, entitled Front Page. And the original air date was November 25th, 1981, right around Thanksgiving time. Not that that has any bearing on the episode whatsoever. Let's just do this and jump on in. Let's face the facts with Joe Lorenz. Well, here he is. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Lorenz is sitting at my dining room table. <laughs> Welcome! Thank you so much for having me. You contacted me saying you were interested in doing the show. Yes. And I was like, awesome, because <laughs> we have worked together very little. Yeah, I think just the one the one was show it's loose. Just once? We've known each other now for a little bit, but actually getting yeah. to s- spend time performing together was yeah. just... Yeah, it was just that... Uh, that it'll, it'll happen more, because yeah. Sleuths, it sort of picks up take uh, picks up momentum over time right as they say so um but thank you for contacting me and for being interested in the show and thank you for coming over and watching season three episode five entitled front page front page so so much resonant stuff to to modern uh, uh, events almost ripped from the headlines yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's very resonant, yes. as, it, as we should say. So we start uh, the episode typically with me asking my guest to give a one or two sentence synopsis of what we just saw, sort of like what you might see in a TV guide listing. Okay, yeah. So Joe uncovers uh, a a scandalous story about her journalism teacher, mm-hmm. Mr. Gideon. Mm-hmm. Um. And her and Natalie have to decide whether or not they're going to run with it. And they do. Uh-huh. And then no hilarity ensues, but... <laughs> I didn't think about that. But <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not the funniest. It's not, but it's... It's, it's, it's a good poign- episode. It's really good. But it's not one of the funniest. That's no, no. Damn very, sure. very poignant and... Uh, uh, the consequences for your actions mm-hmm. is a is a running theme. Yeah, throughout. Very true. Um, now, did you watch the show? Are you familiar with the show? We didn't even talk about this. So the reason I reached out to you when you first announced you were doing this, um, I, I I was born in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't look it. I am one hundred percent Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents wanted to make sure I was bilingual at an early age so at about five six years old around there they they wanted me to start watching movies in english and television in english and stuff so before we got cable i'm gonna i'm gonna go real islandy and say before we got cable on the island but i don't know if that's accurate (laughs) before our house got cable sure um the the only channel that we would pick up that was in english was WGN in Chicago. Oh, of course. Chicago's own Channel 9. Yeah. Um, so every day I would get home from school, and I would watch G.I. Joe, Transformers. Jem would come on, and I would take a little break to eat, and then I would come back for Facts of Life. That's not so really it was, a boy show. I'm, but but is Facts, Facts of, of Life, Life a boy show? Yeah. It wasn't even that. I was I would just get hungry at, yeah. at that point. And Who wouldn't? After. But I but I had to be back for Facts of Life. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's important to you. It it's, was a yes. very important form um, in your formative years. It was a very important show to you. Absolutely. I was so I actually looked it up. Looked up when it was uh, on syndication or in syndication. Oh, okay. Eighty six to ninety one. Oh. So I was still I was born in seventy eight. Mm-hmm. So 
I was eight years old. Okay. Roughly. Uh, Joe was one of my first crushes. Joe? Oh, yeah. Nice. I, For a moment, I thought you meant G.I. Joe. I'm like, wait, what? No. What's happening? Well, I mean, I was a Scarlet Joe. Man yeah. <laughs> uh, from, from G.I. Joe. Uh, interesting, because James Bondy, when, do you know James? Uh, I actually just met him, our mutual friend, uh, Wesley Slade. Wes- Wesley who? Wesley uh, Slade. Do- I, I, I don't know who that no, is. No, I, I don't but, blame um, you. Uh, yeah, he, he he introduced me at a at a very recent audition. Oh, that's right, because they both worked together at a undisclosed Disney location. Right. <laughs> um, but when James Bondy was on the show, he talked about how he was into Joe. Also, she okay. was one of his early crushes. So yeah. you and he have similar tastes in in badass women. Well, I knew I liked him. So let's get into it. Yeah. We start the episode with Joe engrossed in typing, sitting mm-hmm. in the cafeteria while the others are around her working. They are clearing. Once again, they're clearing dishes. Ain't no food on those dishes. Mm. We see very little food in this cafeteria. Um, And what we learn is that Joe is very diligently working on this journalism project for Mr. Gideon, this very, uh, very demanding teacher for what we presume is a journalism course. Right. And, uh, And right away... There's high regard for Mr. Gideon. Yes. The way everyone speaks about him, mm-hmm. it's very uh, glowingly and appreciatively. Yeah. And Natalie lists his his resume. He's like, well, he's a former reporter and then blah, blah, blah. He's, he's decorated and well-known and respected right. somehow in the journalism world. Uh, she doesn't get too specific with that, but she does also mention he is apparently such an advocate for... The field of journalism, he has given the students full reign over the school newspaper. Right. And this will come into play a little bit later. But as for Joe, she is so intently working on this article and typing away and shirking her responsibilities because she is desperate to impress this teacher because he's Mm -hmm. been giving her C's all semester and she says they have a love-hate relationship. She says, I love journalism, and he hates he me. He hates me. Now, this is interesting because we do stick to Natalie being the editor of the school paper. This is a thing we've had before, and it perfectly aligns with Natalie and how consistently we keep with her character. Joe, as a reporter, Joe loves journalism. I'm not sure we have any evidence to support that. Well, previous to this episode, I could see Joe as the hard-nosed reporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see her say, "Hey, look, I'm she's kind of a I'm just telling it like like it is mm-hmm. kind of person." Yeah, uh, she's think- not. She's she doesn't she doesn't allow Blair an ounce of of leeway at any point, right? Yeah. She's always calling her out on stuff. Yeah, I, I think it does fit with her character. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm not really sure we've specifically dealt with her as far as, oh, is Joe a writer? Does Joe do stuff for the school paper? That's not really anything we've experienced before. Natalie, yes. Judging by the way she's typing on the typewriter. She's playing it hard. Yeah. She's she's committing. It's, um, but it's also a, it's not, it doesn't feel like someone with a whole lot of familiarity with the typewriter. (laughs) Well, touch, there is even the joke on, uh, about it about yeah, touch and punch. Or yeah, the to, sort to of the hunt. The, the term is hunt and peck for those right. who are old like me and remember that term. <laughs> the idea is when you're using two fingers to type because you're not touch typing. Right. It's the it was used to be called the hunt and peck, hunt and, and right. Tootie calls it the hunt and punch. Right. And a funny moment happens where Blair says, "Oh well, I'm not afraid of her," and Blair puts her hand over the typing area on the typewriter and Joe just looks at her and defiantly Kaboom. slams a key and Blair's like, ow! <laughs> and it's it's a lovely moment. Nonetheless, we will forgive this show because the rest of it is so damn good. It yeah. really is good and it, it aligns with her personality. So we're going to give them a little bit of a pass here because everything else really lands very nicely. Um, then in comes... Roy, the delivery boy from the bakery. I, I, I <laughs> so real quick before we uh, move on, I just I notice this little moment. So Miss Garrett is sitting at the table, and uh-huh. the girls are doing their thing, and they're sort of setting up the you know from a dramaturgical sense, they're setting up mm-hmm. the show. 
And Mrs. Garrett is enjoying the hell out of every joke that's oh. being told. She is just laughing. And and you don't generally see that. A character enjoying the puns being thrown yeah. out. Oh, and those girls. Is, yeah. yeah. Ah. Uh, and she's Ooh, is just, that your is that your Charlotte Ray impression? I, I, I've I, I've been working on mine for thirty years. Uh, girls, <laughs> girls. Well, please continue. Oh. To do, you know, everyone is invited to do their bad Mrs. Garrett to it's join me with my. It's impossible not to. It's yeah. impossible. Not I know to. you can't not. Yeah, yeah. So I I wrote this question and I put two question marks afterwards. So I meant it. How old is Roy? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> because Joe is seventeen. Right. And he is he is coming on hard. He's Roy yeah. is played by actor Lauren Lester, and he has got an IMDb page a mile long. Huh. Not very high profile, recognizable stuff, but he is still but he works. Wor- he's been working yeah. and consistently, and up until recently, he's got recent credits. Um, he plays Roy and appears in eight episodes of The Facts of Life. This is his first appearance. We've never met Roy before. So this is how we're introduced to Roy. Yeah. Is a working man because uh, uh, he's he's at least he's delivering for a bakery. Yeah, but is he like we talk about Eastland. We mm-hmm. talk about Bates being its analog for a private boys school. Sure. But Peekskill must have um a public high school. Probably. So maybe he's just a Peekskill public high school student who on some days delivers. He has an after school gig delivering. I mean, but it's this very, is in the morning though. This it's is before quite, class. So he's not in school. He's a working stiff. He might be over 18 and Joe is 17. So Ew. at best, at best we have, uh, he's, we have attempted technical statutory rape. <laughs> I feel like there is an episode down the road where he does like dip her and kiss her without her consent. I oh. think that's coming down the pike. But I mean, who didn't in the eighties? Come on, well, I mean, consent didn't exist until three years ago. It was not. It was not a uh, commonly explored <laughs> idea. <laughs> no, but um, even if, how about we to make ourselves feel better about this? Let's say he's eighteen. Okay. And therefore, an 18-year-old pursuing a 17-year-old high school junior, which is what Joe is, then that's about it. But I will say, to the credit of the show, this was not like an introduction. They brought him in, and there was already an established relationship. There was a history. He already has been romantically chasing after Joe Mm -hmm. and trying to get her attention with her saying, fuck off. Yeah. I'm not into it. And I was shocked when you said that this was the first time he, he appeared. Yeah, I wouldn't I believe it Because I was sure that he was more of an established character. Yeah. I wouldn't have believed it either if yeah. I hadn't been watching these in order. It's like, wow. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very impressive how they quickly hone into the, the shorthand of this is what they do. This is their bit. This is how they spar. He he sees himself as, as Tracy and Hepburn. Right. And Joe was like, yeah. you're just a nuisance. Get out of my face. Yeah. And what is the... What, what was the and I might be jumping ahead a little bit when uh said it, there's some creep you want you want to tell to get lost and she just turns and like, get lost yes I'm like <laughs> oh that's a solid yeah. solid joke right there and um and so bravo to them for that and they will be bringing this back um and thankfully it's not just for window dressing he does serve a purpose in the plot he definitely does and um and maybe that's why they had to hit this so hard was because we had to make them familiar enough that later she would he would offer her he would information go to her with this, and she yeah. would solicit it from him that does make sense but it's also really good writing because <clears throat> we didn't need the well hey girls i'm roy i'm yeah. gonna be doing the deliveries yeah. from now on wow you you're a pretty lesbian i'd <laughs> love to date you you know <laughs> so then our next scene we go into the classroom mm-hmm. we are in Mr. Gideon's classroom. Mr. Gideon is played by actor Steven Anderson. Now, he also has a lengthy IMDb, not quite as many credits as Lauren Lester, but he worked as recently as 2013. But among his stuff, he did. Um, there are, I think there was a Laverne and Shirley, and there was a Wonder Woman. And oh. after this, 
X-Files, NYPD Blue, Boston Legal, JAG, even one uh, small bit on an episode of American Horror Story. It's like, oh my okay, God. he's still working. That, yeah. The, the teacher, he's still, he's had a very nice, not famous person career. And uh, so he's teaching and he's in full teaching mode. Uh, the class is about 13 students by my count. Mm-hmm. Continuing the, how many students go to Eastland <laughs> question? There are 13 students, and among the students, you will be delighted to see Sue Ann and Cindy are there. It's like, what? <laughs> They're still around. They're still keeping them around. They're still enrolled. And, yeah, I mean, we knew that, but I <laughs> I didn't know that they were going to come back again. I thought we had seen the last of them in the uh, the gossip episode and then we also had, um, I don't think Nancy comes back again. Nancy, we had her in the um, the 2D child pornography model episode. But See, anyway. my, my, I only have an awareness of Facts of Life with uh, Joe, Blair, Tootie, Natalie, and Mrs. Garrett. Like, Did you never watch season one? I must not have. They must not have played that. On well, maybe. in syndication, I, I remember they did rerun them in the first round when they did them like ten o'clock in the morning on mm. NBC, and I remember looking back at that when it first came in reruns, going, "Oh my god, I forgot how terrible this was." <laughs> but yeah, we had of the the four girls that were let go before Joe came in. It was Cindy Sue Ann, who we meet here, the two blonde girls. And then it was Nancy and Molly, played by Molly Ringwald. You're fucking kidding me. No. Really? <laughs> yeah. Take a look at some of the older episodes. Yeah. Whatever happened to her, huh? Oh, man. Um, so Mr. Gideon is in the middle of a very, uh, he's one of those, you can tell he's a passionate teacher. Mm-hmm. He's very energetic. And you can see they're they're trying to super duper play up that whole um, uh, beloved beloved teacher because he's youthful and energetic and right. passionate again. So he is putting the word fact up on the board. Right. And he says, this is the most important thing you have to have when you're writing an article. Fact. Fast, accurate, concise, true. So he's made an anagram here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a universal anagram in the journalism world or if they just made it up for the show, but works for me. And sure. Uh, wow, in 2019, we could use a heaping dose of all four of those. Just uh, the the term fake news kept jumping into my brain throughout this entire episode. Alternative facts. Yeah, alternative facts. It's like, Jesus. (laughs) Um, so he's, he's talking passionately. We just established, okay, this is the teacher that Joe is having trouble with. And this is, this is who he is. This is his teaching style. So then he says, all right, now, uh, I want all of you to update me on the articles that you're going to be doing that I think they're going to be in the paper. Right. And then Blair stands up and she tells a story about Nancy Reagan changing the China pattern at the White House. And he's like, okay, cool. And then he, other people raise their hand and he says, Joe. And Joe hands him the thing she was typing earlier. And he's like, what's this? She's like, uh, it's done. Yes, yeah, 300 words, I think. 300 she said. words. And he's yeah. like, well, it's not due yet. We were just going to talk about ideas, but go ahead and tell me what it is. And read it to me. So she reads it to him. She reads a yeah, generic news story about the school board allocating funds to redecorate the faculty lounge. I believe he, he asked for the lead. Give me the lead. That's right. He says, give right. me the lead. Yeah. yeah. Which I think in newspaper speak means just the first sentence. Basically, yeah. It's, it's what, what is the story about? Yeah. And, and I do know from what little journalism writing I've studied, it's literally that thing of... Your lead sentence has to say so many things, establish what is to come in the article, give the facts, but not, you know, right? not get too florid with it. Yeah. Don't, don't get too artsy-fartsy. More about, detailed than a headline, but yeah, more of a, a, a summation. So then uh, he's like, okay, where's your source? And she's like, well, I found out from this place. He goes, oh, you didn't hear about the board met yesterday and they decided to allocate those funds differently. She's like, well, no, how could I know that? He says, you're supposed to check. You check, you double check, and then you double check again. And Joe kind of pushes back and says, mm-hmm. hey, I put a lot of time into this. And he says, time doesn't count if it's not accurate. Fact. And he points back to the board. And again, I'm, I'm passionate and animated. Right. 
And so Joe sits down, slams her thing on the desk, and she is not happy. Mm-hmm. Cut two. I don't think we cut two. We might we might f- dissolve two. Cafeteria clean. I'm pretty sure it was a hard cut. Actually, was it, it a hard? Yeah, I up. think so. Cut two. Cut two. Joe, in Joe in the cafeteria, clearing dishes like they were before, slamming them into the basin, into the into the pan, the. What do they call it? The tray? Uh, yeah, yeah. Slamming the dishes around and making a whole bunch of noise. And Tootie says, hey, I should be getting combat pay for this. <laughs> true. What a true actress. Solid joke. Mrs. Garrett <laughs> is doing the flowers for how much time she spends with those bud vases. Jesus. But whatever. So Mrs. Garrett says... If you're, <laughs> typical Mrs. Garrett, if you're having a problem, talk to him. <laughs> and Joe's like, I'm not fucking talking to him. I'm going to do a new story and all that. I I, I, I made a note because at one point Joe talks about Mr. Gideon and calls him an Ivy League sewer rat. Oh, yeah. And the pop that that got mm-hmm. was very unexpected. I, the laughter that erupted from yeah. that line. I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> oh, shit." That was that played really well in yeah. the early '80s. That was a, that was a hard <laughs> insult for those days. That was pretty hard. Ivy yeah. League sewer rat. Yeah, that's I. Hey, why not make it work for you if it gets the laugh? Um. So then, at one point, Tootie holds up a uh, a dish that has like a third of it broken off. Right. And she says, Mrs. Garrett, this one has a chip in it. And Mrs. Garrett, her joke, <laughs> I think we got off cheap. I think we got off cheap. Very nice. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. It is a fugly ass it's not, dish. It's not a, it couldn't have cost that much. It, it couldn't have cost that much. <laughs> but, it, but the thing is, it's like a, it is a, it is a floral pattern. It, it's like a, a <laughs> I'm pulling it up here. It it's Ooh. like there are there's floor china that has a floral pattern on it. This looks like an ode to flowers by the Franklin Mint. <laughs> this is something you would see this at the dollar store and go, no, I'll wait for something else to come in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but it's just weird. I mean, Eastland's a girl's school, but why would you have such Taste specific China. Why it's wouldn't you hideous. have? Yeah, and also if she's slamming them around in there, actually porcelain China. Why wouldn't someone like Mrs. Gatt have said, "Hey, yeah, cut the shit. That's expensive. <laughs> the base color is beige. It's well, every, everything was beige in 1981. Well, left over yeah. from the 70s. That's true. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's a hideous, ornate. It's 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 a plate for showing. It's not a plate you would eat off of. It's so mm-hmm. not even for how hideous taste was yeah. in the eighties. That's it's just wrong. It was a, that is a prop that is a prop master fail. <laughs> and I mean, plastic existed in eighty one as did plastic dishware. And I'm pretty sure, like I was in high school and college, our dishware was plastic. It's a school. Yeah. Get plastic plates. Yeah, so they don't break. Uh, So then Roy returns. Roy. And uh, this time he's not dressed in his uniform. And they're like, isn't this awfully late to be making a delivery from the bakery? And he's like, oh, I'm I'm not here for business. I'm here for pleasure. I'm I'm here. My visit is more social. (laughs) Is that what he said? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And another huge pop from the audience. Yes. Was this live? Live studio audience? Or was it... Laugh track. No, live studio audience. Live studio yeah. audience. Man, the yeah. the crowd loved that one. Yeah. And and the thing is, you you got to love the Roys out there where it's, on one hand, you want to be like, take a hint, you fucking mm-hmm. blithering moron. Sure. But those there's just something you got to like about people who are just so exceptionally confident and... Do not that being insulted to their face doesn't phase them. I mean, Joe literally insults him to his face, and he's just like, yeah. "Oh," because <laughs> if he if he had more of an aw shucks vibe to him, that's a very different character. Ooh. But he is because the aw shucks guy 
would have would have Joe look at him cross once and never talk to her again. Yeah. And, you, and Joe would have been a monster. Sure. If, if it, you know, if it was a young Ron Howard from yeah. the Andy Griffith show or something. Yeah. It would have been like her crushing him. Like, they'd be like, that poor kid. Yeah. But yeah, you, you almost need the nearly oblivious. Yeah. Just, yeah, this is a little cat and mouse game we play. It's like, no, man. She yeah. does, straight up does not like you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the fact that he's, he, it's, and he's, that he's not, particularly attractive but not hideously unattractive but he's not sure. he's not a handsome guy who assumes all women want to fuck him right which is another whole other that's direction a, yeah that's that a different could go co- in. classification he's, he's just right they cast him just right and he's it's written just right and he's playing it just right that it works yeah and uh bravo to all parties involved uh you have my approval <laughs> which i know is important to you um so joe basically is like um Look, I'm not in the mood right now. And he says, oh, well, uh, I thought you might be in the mood because I have some news about your teacher, Mr. Gideon. And uh, what is that news, Joe? Let me Mm. let you talk for half a second before I take over again. So uh, Roy informs us that uh, his cousin, someone someone that he knows or is related to. Um, His brother is a policeman. His brother is a policeman. I'm eating, excuse me. Yep. And it turns out that uh, some, uh, it's a little unclear how much time has passed between the classroom scene and this new information that we're receiving, but I would imagine it's the same day, yes? I believe so. So at some point, very recently, our dear Mr. Gideon was at a party, and lo and behold, some cocaine was busted out at the party and the so, police is that how you say cocaine <laughs> that's that's <laughs> ever since uh, the oh hello thing came out oh if my I have, god if i, I have to oh, hello if i have to say cocaine I, it's, it's cocaine, the cocaine. <laughs> um uh oh, so I the police raided that. the party and mr gideon was arrested at a cocaine party what yeah and it's like, wait a minute, no, this can't be. He's like, hey, my brother's policeman got it. Not, it's right, and it's from Woods Glen, which I assume is a neighboring town. I would imagine not so. So Joe says, well, you know, keep that to yourself. That's that's dirt. Mm. Keep it to yourself. And so he's like, okay, so how about we go out for that pizza? She's like, no, fuck off, kicks yeah. him out. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> um, so then they're like, that was nice of you, Joe, to. Tell him not to spread the word. And Joe says, yeah, I don't want the Peekskill papers to print such a sensationalized scandal type of a story. We're going to print it here. I want our paper to print it. Yeah. And she gets real like. We're going to make him an author. I want our paper to. Where's at one point. Is that the scene where Blair made the mob violence joke? Yes, um, um, she says write a different yes. article. Write things. Write about something you know, yeah. like mob violence. <laughs> and the wording, it tickled me so much because there are many different ways to make that joke, but something about like mob violence. Yeah. Ah, oh, the waspiness of Jeez. the way Blair. It was so fucking perfect. perfect. I laughed heartily at that. Um, so true. <laughs> and and it ends with Joe saying, we're going to publish it here. And they all stare. There's all this moment of thought, of giving mm-hmm. the moment air and breathing room. And then we slow fade. Mm. To commercial, no clap track. No. Um, no music either. No. This is not a music bed show. This is it, not. Later seasons, it does. Okay. Once we get into the over our heads seasons seven eight and nine or as i call the spencer gift season <laughs> then we get them yeah but um so we're on our we're in the commercial break right now yeah so this is where i like to get to know my guests a little bit okay and uh you are a person i know less than many of the people who have sat here before you so i'm i'm legitimately going to be learning this as we go awesome so you've already said that you were born on the island of puerto rico puerto rico 
And when did you come to this country? I was. <laughs> I mean, technically, you're not I, wrong. But it yeah. is. It is a. What is it called? A province? It's a. It's a, a territory. A territory. Uh, yeah, U.S. territory. Yeah. So when did you and your people <laughs> come and invade our country? You know, one of my favorite things. Uh, whenever I would tell a story, it was like, "Oh yeah, when I was little, I remember my parents took me to Toys R Us." And like, you had a Toys R Us in like, Puerto Rico. <laughs> And fucking electricity, running water, I the know. whole <laughs> deal. Not a third world country. <laughs> Come on. It was it was summer of eighty nine. So I was I was about to turn eleven. Okay. And we moved to Miami, mm-hmm. uh, where I live. A Puerto Rican family living in Miami. Can't Tell me be. about it. Well, well, with all the with all the Cuban people there, we really stuck out like a sore thumb. My mother's Cuban, so oh, okay. We, so I, I definitely uh, I belong there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I lived in Miami 15 years. Mm-hmm. Moved up to Central Florida December of 04. Of 04. Okay. Yep. And was that to pursue acting in your career? Yes. So I, I, I majored in theater mm-hmm. and I wanted to become an actor. And where did you go to school? Uh, Florida International University down in Miami. Go okay. FIU. Go Golden Panthers. Golden um, Panthers? Yeah. Wow. And we, I thought, okay, well, I could go to New York. I could go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I thought, well, let me get my equity card first. Sure. And I can go do that in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. And I went and I did that in Orlando, uh-huh. having having somewhat quickly, like that next year, I I was casting a show mm-hmm. um, for 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 the mouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've just been here <laughs> and working different things and the, the gig different economy, things. as they say. Yeah, I I took uh, I took a hiatus from performing pretty damn near a decade oh wow yeah i i performed the first few years that i lived here and then i moved out to lakeland uh i met the wonderful woman who is now my wife mm-hmm. uh we we built a house in lakeland because she lived out uh in um uh land lakes so just north of tampa but yeah, I I sort of came back into performing 2014. Okay, around there, 2015 ish. Cool. And yeah, I sort of really reignited that passion, and I've been kind of going nonstop since. Now, it's, what did you do in that decade when you weren't? Uh, insurance, insurance, oh. insurance wholesaler. Okay. Sort of uh helping run the family business. Oh, okay. And then you know starting a family and all that yeah and and how many children do you have i have three kids three yeah wow my oldest turns 11 now in july oh my god yeah and uh is uh boys to girls what do you uh oldest is a boy and then two girls and two girls and at what age will you be starting to expose them to the facts of life you know what after watching this episode pretty soon yeah because there are some good uh lessons poignant life lessons to be learned to be learned yeah exactly like consent doesn't exist. Like plates can be beige. And uh, we need to come back from commercial now. All right. Joe was on the phone saying, thanks, Sergeant. Um, and she hangs up the phone. And so apparently she's been talking to the police. Right. And she is able to verify the story. Natalie and Blair are very leery like, I'm not sure that this, the term dirty, disgusting spectacle comes up. I'm not sure in what context, but they are clearly like, you're not going to really do this. And, and she says, we have control of the paper. We can publish anything we want. And presumably what that means is they do not have a, (laughs) that's dangerous as shit. I would say They do not have a faculty member coming in behind the students to verify and approve the content of the school paper i would imagine any any faculty member saying seeing cocaine bust yeah on a headline was like wait a minute what 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 is that what? yeah <laughs> it's well um so tootie then comes in mm-hmm. and we kind of regress a little bit here with the suddenly them like oh sh- sh- hush up tootie and so tootie comes in she's in her gym clothes apparently with some type of a gym class or a sports thing yes though tootie never, never really talks about being involved in much sport like she says they should they should tell you that the the gym class is bad for your health 
Yes. <laughs> and why she's at a gym class at night after hours when the others... I will give them this, that they didn't put Tootie in the journalism class. True. We've had the issue with not just how many students are at Eastland, but what grades are at Eastland mm-hmm. and why there have been in the past classes where 12-year-old Tootie is there and 16-year-old or 15-year-old, you know, why there's... Right. It's It was just weird. We were saying it was like the Little House in the Prairie Yeah, where's house. that intersection where they're taking that same class? Yeah. Now, we've got... Because we have Sue Ann and Blair and Joe in the class, they're juniors. I think Cindy is a year younger. So Cindy and Natalie would be sophomores. So sophomores and juniors, I don't know. Journalism could be an elective and... I don't know. It's, but then Natalie's the editor? She's the editor of the school paper, so she hmm. should be there anyway. Um, I don't know. It just feeds into that whole thing of what is Eastland? Who goes yeah. there? How many students go there? And how do they divvy up the classes and determine who of what age, what what classes are appropriate, are appropriate yeah. to a certain breadth of age? Um, I made but, a note, like, why why were they so secretive? Around. Like, why was Tootie excluded from... Is it because she's she's canonically younger than than they are? Uh, yes, though she's only a year younger than Natalie. But what it's actually playing into is uh, Tootie is also the, the chatterbox and the one who can't keep a secret. Gotcha, because they do reference that later. Yeah. So okay. that's the big thing of Tootie. And that's a through line through the entire series. Okay. And, uh, and that's good, the idea that... It's, you know, we're, we're keeping stuff. But the fact that they're so unsubtle about it. Oh, yeah. And, and the fact that we've had an episode where they were treating Tootie like that. And in order to get attention and feel older, Tootie, did, Tootie drank and got drunk. And oh. so at the end of that episode, it was like, well, everything is fixed now and all is good. And there's no repercussions for our actions. And Tootie, you're one of us now. You're not going to call you a kid anymore. I'm going to call you a sport or whatever. Well, we're back to our old habits we are. of marginalizing poor Tootie. <laughs> and, um, but <laughs> they do have a funny bit where it's like, uh, yeah, Tootie, we're, we're kind of doing something right now. She's like, okay. She, she says, okay. Mm-hmm. And she stands there. Just stands there. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of <laughs> private Tootie. And she's like, okay, well, I'll go in the kitchen and get something to eat. Mm-hmm. And she stays Just standing there like, Tootie, would you get out of here? <laughs> it was funny. Anyhow, um, it now comes down to the decision is really Natalie's. It's like, Natalie, you're the editor of the school paper. And she's like saying, I don't think so. But Joe was saying, yes, we have to. Mm-hmm. And the scene ends with Natalie saying, now I know why Lou Grant is bald. <laughs> and for those who don't remember, Lou Grant, Mary Tyler, Mary Moore's Tyler Moore, boss was a TV news producer, mm. but then after that, he spun off into a separate show where he was a newspaper man. Do you remember oh. that? It was a show called Lou Grant. Oh, no, I did not. Next, we go into the parlor, and Mrs. Garrett is yeah. doing I don't know something. what. It something. It looks like she's got something. She's pushing back the sofa cushion. Mm-hmm. She's got the throw pillows on the coffee table, and she has something metal in her and you initially identify them as scissors, and I think that's probably the best guess that we're going to get at it because it definitely looks that way. I don't know what she – maybe some, someone left them in the cushion. I don't know. Yeah. We're looking at it again. It's too wide to be a needle like she was sewing or anything, I, yeah. I feel. Maybe, maybe – but maybe she's cutting the thread after sewing up a hole or something. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. But, but then that's where the pillows come in is when, she, okay, well, I'm going to sit down and listen to Natalie. Yeah. All right, well, well, I'll put these behind me to, to support my back. <laughs> Carrying this damn show for so many seasons. <laughs> but the, uh, I'm not sure. That what we're going to go with is we're pretty sure they're scissors. And we think let's go with. She was sewing up a hole in the couch. In the cushion. Behind the cushion. Yeah. And she was snipping off the last of the thread yep. to the point that we didn't even need to have a needle or a sewing kit or right. thread or anything. There. But she but uh, she was uh, very famously uh, obsessed with the moment before. Right before this scene, she, she probably worked out, yeah, there was a rip in this cushion, and so I need this. And she's 
going to the props master. I, I need the, I need the scissors. scissors because I have just finished sewing up. I have already put away the thread. So have the thread in the other room because yeah. I just put it away. But I, I don't want to see it. Damn scissors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what did you call it? It's the moment before. The moment. Uh, just the moment. Okay. Yeah, just, the moment before. Just yeah. in the scene. What's your moment before? Where are you? Where, where's yeah. your character coming from? Yeah. And that was and that was hers. Yeah. I will so, say real quick and sorry to interrupt you. Go go go. The the vending machine. <laughs> Again, it's been so long. But one of them, the one on the right, is pastries. Pastries. Just pastries. Yeah. Just, pretty generic. Just a little... We're little... in a cafeteria where food is theoretically available three meals a day. Just baked goods. Yeah. <laughs> Philip Nolan said, it just looks so sad because it looks mid-century, and I'm pretty sure those pastries are as old as the yep, machine. Yeah, absolutely. They came, they came already stocked, <laughs> and no one has bought any. And I, I still wish it was a cigarette machine so bad. <laughs> I just think that would be so perfect. Coffee and cigarettes right next to each other. Throughout the entire series, Joe's the only one who goes and pull, <laughs> yeah. t- pulls a knob. <laughs> just to roll it up in her just sleeve. Just rolls it up in her sleeve yeah, and not goes to smoke them. No, just to roll absolutely up. not. Because, you know, she fashions herself after Schneider from one right. day at a time. <laughs> so uh, Natalie comes in and says, Mrs. Garrett, I need to ask you a question. It's an editorial question. And she's like, well, shouldn't you talk to Mr. Gideon? And she's like, nope. This is probably, no, this is not a question for him. I need to ask you. Mrs. Garrett tells a silly story back from the old days. I don't even want to get into it. It's just Mrs. Garrett gives her some advice. And when Natalie finally lets go with, it's because a teacher's in a cocaine yeah. bust in a party. Mrs. Garrett says, whoa, I think you are way in over your head. If I were you, I would not publish that story. And Natalie says, well, shit, I published it and it came out this morning. Negating the purpose of the entire scene. And, <laughs> and Mrs. Garrett beautifully says, well, then what did you ask me for? And she's right. We were right yes, with her. We're like, yeah. what the fuck is, why does this scene exist? <laughs> why did we, why did Dra- we just see that? Dramatically. And the perfect punchline, Natalie looks at her and just goes, habit. Habit. And it's true. It is. Uh, you cannot fault this scene. I think we needed uh, again pulling back uh, from from the the dramaturgy mindset. You you needed the Garrett scene. You needed Mrs. Garrett weighing in on this. Yes. But they also needed the the article to come out. Yeah. You needed to know that they didn't a hundred percent act in a vacuum. Right. That and and that. You know, if Natalie is grappling grappling with something, she goes to Mrs. Garrett. She right. is their moral compass when they're not sure what to do. And they can't have Mrs. Garrett say, just run with it. Fuck them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wish they could. I wish they could. And there's also the issue of because we're getting into really good writing and the girls are excelling so well in their performances, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things you're finding in season three now where you can tell at one point in the early draft of the script, they're like, oh, we, we need something for Charlotte to do. This is yeah. this is technically her fucking show. Yeah. And we're giving all the girls the best stuff to play and all the best dramatic places and emotional places to go. Um, so that scene ends, and now we come into just what I was talking about before. The <laughs> We dissolve to the, um, the cafeteria, and two girls are clumsily walking side by side with the newspaper open where you can see the headline. <laughs> you can almost hear, action, and go, action. go, go, go. go. Right, walk. And it's like that, okay, she's walking faster than I am. And is it, is it weird? Would two girls be reading a newspaper together while walking? In uh, it's, It is so beyond clumsy in the direction. Oh, my God. It's, but I think it's, that's more of a testament to how fucking good overall the episode is that things like that stick out really stick out it's like oh no you've been doing so well yeah and then you just had to shoehorn this whatever this is now yeah exactly then cindy and suan appear and now actually have lines they Mm -hmm. were just sitting there during the class but now they come in have lines and it's all joe i can't believe this article they this is typical what they would do with these girls is it's like okay we need to create a mood and we're gonna have them come in as opposed to the others um and they're like joe we can't believe you did that. This is terrific. And they even say, you're a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And Sue Ann even says, I can't believe you did it. Um, I'm not sure I would have been able to. 
At which point, Natalie quickly steps up behind her and's like, well, it was a pretty gutsy call, but I felt <laughs> like I had to make it. Right. So Natalie quickly is like, I want to uh, enjoy some of this. I'm going to take all that, some of this credit here. Yeah, some of this credit. Ultimately, period. it was my call. Bask in it. Yeah, ultimately, it was my call and all that. <laughs> and then Tootie says, what does Tootie say? She uh, says, um, well, she comes in complaining that, oh, I have, you have all this this thing happened and you knew about it and I have to read about it in the paper basically saying, hey, friends, why didn't you tell Include me? Include me, yeah. About and, this. And then do they say she's a security leak? Is she, that what it they is? They mentioned, oh, we kind of figured that you'd, yeah. you would have blabbed about it. To At which point, Tootie says, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, on some level, kind of makes up for the whole earlier problem I had with them excluding her. Tootie's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I, so, I, yeah. I would have fucked up everything. Yeah. Um, so then um, Blair comes in, and Blair mm. is duly unimpressed. And she says, I can't believe you did it. And uh, uh, Joe says something like, well, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword. I wrote down the same note. And then what did Blair say? Well, especially when it's dipped in blood. <gasps> and one gentleman in the audience goes, ooh. One guy yes. was like... Damn, that's a good line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, Blair. I love you. <laughs> then in comes Mrs. Garrett. And something like, well, Mrs. Garrett, you seem to be upset about something. Right. And she says, I am upset when someone is treated unfairly. Right. And. So we're like, hey, point, what happened here? And at, which point, and at which point Natalie is like, why does that sound like something's wrong with the article? Kind mm-hmm. of a deal. And then she comes back and says. Uh, he was released one hour after the police took him in. No charges were pressed. And Joe says, well, I, the, the police didn't tell me that. Right. And Mrs. Garrett, didn't you ask? Did you ask? Did you call the courthouse? Did you ask him for his side of the story? Someone's career is on the line. This is not a time to be careless. I have a real issue with this plot point. Yes. Because Joe called the police department. Yeah. And said, hey, I'm calling to verify, was Mr. Gideon arrested, blah, blah, blah. Why didn't the police officers say, well, yes, but we actually released him about an hour later. Uh, there was no evidence Yeah, that he, like. I agree. I, so I'm just imagining the the, conver- the police officer on the other end. So was a Mr. Gideon uh, arrested? Yes. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to know? (laughs) Like, just being real coy. And then click, hang up. Why didn't you tell her that he was released? She didn't ask ask me. You are so naughty. Yeah. Like, when did we become Hans and Franz? (laughs) (laughs) So, and this actually takes me back to uh, Gideon's um, uh, fact Fact. Uh, Fact. Acronym. Accurate. Concise. Um, True. So, the F stands for fast. Fast. Yeah. Fast. And yet, the entire crux of the episode is, Joe, you went too fast on this. You didn't get all the information. Yeah. Yeah. His whole problem with her initial story was that she acted too quickly and didn't and didn't know about a meeting that took place the night before. Yeah. And now this, she took the time to go verify the facts. Agreed. And then it's like, but you didn't know. It was like, but I asked, how am I supposed to know what I don't know? Yeah. So I, I would agree. <laughs> I, I would agree. I would if uh, when I get into my time machine and give my notes to the writers. Yes, please. What I will be suggesting to them is. What they could do is, I think it's weird that the police would talk to them at all about it. <laughs> I agree. I think it should be hung up the phone. I talk to the police, and then say, and then have it say, and the police didn't tell you that. And she's like, "Well, it wasn't the police. It was Roy's brother." Oh, meaning yeah. I talked to the police. The police meaning a policeman, right? Um. Just saying that that could have been an easy fix where it's like, well, I tried them and they couldn't tell me. So did you find this out? Did you ask? She's like, I tried. The cops wouldn't talk to me. Yeah. And 
I think that would play because we we have already established through Roy that Roy's brother is a bit of a bit of a blabbermouth. Yeah, because he's not supposed to talk about that right. shit. Um, we were talking last week about HIPAA, about not supposed to reveal what your medical yep. uh, your medical patients are doing. You're not supposed to talk about that stuff. There's is, is there a police version? Is there is there a PIPA? Uh, there's Chippa, <laughs> Chippa, but it's it's. Ah! The, if you're on a motorcycle, you can't reveal only in California, though. It's only in California, not New York. That was beautiful. Chippa, ladies and gentlemen, the comedic genius of Joe Lorenz. Thank you. I'm, He's I'm taking a bow. Well deserved. Bow. Well played, my friend. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah. Now, the, the the whole the whole thing about the the police. I'm like really to me, me, it was it was questionable from the minute she hung up the phone. I'm like. Mm-hmm. Do the do the police are they authorized to talk about stuff like that? Like again, versus versus public records versus I can listen on a police radio, right? That's that's public record. Yeah, but another quick fix would have been watching Joe initiate the call, identifying herself as a reporter. Oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I'm not. I'm definitely pretty fuzzy on what the legality is yeah. uh but consider again considering no charges were filed then it's not exactly an ongoing investigation as far as mr gideon gideon is concerned yeah it's so i uh, i don't know and um bring that up too when you go back in time yeah i will yeah. i'm going to talk to them about it i have a few words <laughs> uh so we're in the final scene mr mm. gideon's classroom it is empty mm. and joe walks in and this awkward moment, she says, I, I guess you know why I'm here. And he says, a lynching? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like funny. He has Ooh, a sense right? of humor. Um, she yeah. says, so sue me for libel. And he says, well, no, I could only sue you for libel if I knew there was malicious intent behind it. And she's like, mm. that wouldn't be too hard to do. Yeah. And um, so then we, Joe finally has her say, and she's like, oh, look, you've been writing me all semester. All you do is criticize me. All you do is cut down my work. You know how terrible it makes me feel when I'm here and you make me feel like a dummy. Mm-hmm. And she says, and he's like, what? What are you talking about? And he says, it's always exciting for a teacher to see a student who has real potential. And she's like, wait a minute, so I'm not a dummy? And he's like, no. And at one point he says, how did we get to be on opposite sides of the fence? Mm. So Joe kind of fesses up to the chip she frequently has on her shoulder and how reactive she is. Still a character flaw of hers that she owns up to. And she says, look, when someone pushes me without thinking, I just push back. And I'm going to pause here before we continue. I have such a big problem with the trope in both sitcoms and dramas and in life of the teacher who pushes you hard and is super extra tough on you because you are so good and have such potential. I'm going to circle a note that I wrote. Oh, he is circling tough love. Blech. Blech. I am right there with you. I fucking hate hate that that mindset. so much because whatever, if that's your philosophy ideology whatever but if you are this wonderful teacher that is so attentive and does see such potential why haven't you picked up on the fact that it's not working yeah read the room we've had so many you're not reading the room situations take a look at joe your now established star pupil and realize oh but she hates me right now which means she's not really going to be listening to me as well as I would like her to because I'm yeah. honestly trying to teach her something. I fucking hate the tough love teacher thing. Yeah. People who think they can justify being bullies. Fuck them. Fuck every single one of them. The psychology of being tough on a student versus saying, to, what student would not love to hear a teacher say, you have real potential. You are very good in this class. I need you to keep working hard. Right. And I'm going to ask you to do a couple of extra things only because I know you can handle it. Because I know you can handle it because I believe that these yeah. are the things that will help 
propel you in this thing that I see you are so passionate about. Yeah. I don't know who the student would be that would say, yeah, well, fuck you. Yeah. I wish you'd yell at me. Yeah. Like, exactly. how, how You're great. You're not my dad. <laughs> yeah. How great would that be to, for the teacher to say, I see you. Yes. I see how 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 uh dialed in how passionate you are about this thing that i'm teaching you like as opposed to joe thinking well he hates me yeah how is and, that better yeah and he thinks i'm a dummy because he's making me feel like a dummy yeah. and clearly can't see that he's doing that yeah for someone so concerned with facts and the truth there is an inherent dishonesty mm-hmm. there's a big disconnect here yeah. with this character of mr gideon and can i also say not for nothing, uh, the actor who plays Gideon has crazy coke eyes. Oh, no. <laughs> I, that's what the glasses were for. He's and the, like, make them brass, really make them just, shiny. Distract yeah, us, distract us. Really with intense glare. At one point, it looked like he was he looking was... directly into the camera in that first scene. <laughs> and I was beep. like, fuck, toot, toot. all right, I see it. I see it, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is, that's fucking hilarious. Um... Anyhow, what's uh, what ends up happening is he does kind of close the loop on the story. Hmm. He says, "Mostly, I'm angry with myself when I saw what was doing. When I saw what was happening at that party, I knew I should have left, and I didn't. And so it's like, oh, okay, there it is. That's the kind of missing piece of the because they're like, was he using? Was right? He not? Was he? But it was like, okay, no, he was not." a participant he was just an accessory and that's why no charges were filed yada yada so makes him a more complete three-dimensional person right because who the fuck hasn't been at a, at that social setting where you're like i'm not a hundred percent okay with what's going on here but yeah. i don't want to be that guy yeah. that says i'm leaving i'm uncomfortable yeah like you don't you have that social anxiety and pressure so i was like oh okay i can relate to to gideon in that moment yeah i think so too and honestly, it's one of those, like, particularly 1981, mm-hmm. it, it would have been a weird party if they weren't doing <laughs> they coke. they weren't doing coke. Doing cocaine. <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so the last bit of the episode, and this is so beautifully, this is where we, it's almost like a play now, mm. where um, he's going over to a bookshelf and grabbing some books and putting them into a box. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm packing. And she says... What, what, what do you mean you're packing? You're not leaving. Did they fire you? And he says, no, they didn't fire me. They asked me to resign. And she's like, well, I'll print a retraction. And he's like, no, no one reads retractions. And then she's like, well, I'll follow up somehow. She says, I'll get a petition. We'll get a thousand signatures and we'll make them change their mind. Does Joe think there are a thousand signatures to be gotten at Eastland? This might be information about the school. I I can't I think Joe just are there threw a, out a thousand number. students at Eastland? I can't. There can't be. I I can't imagine can't it either. Be. She's exaggerating. Way, the the plate budget alone would be <laughs> Those catastrophic. Ugly tan floral plates. We couldn't afford a thousand if that was our student body. Yeah, we we. It's like. We have all of those people to feed, and these are your four girls that are going to help you. Yeah. We're, we're going to need a bigger cast. Yeah. We're going to need a bigger cast. And <laughs> Howard's gone. Howard, the actual chef who was the one doing the cooking, he was gone after four episodes. It's just that pastry vending machine. Yep. And his last thing is, nope, this is something you can't fix. And he's like, I'm going to go back to actually working for a paper. She says, what about teaching? He says, well, not many institutions are going to be anxious to hire a teacher that's had something like this come about even though it's not true. Right. Um, so Joe is like, well, what can I do? I got to do something. And he just says, help me pack. Mm. And then he leaves the room, apparently probably one, he's going to be coming back for another, sure. pick up another load or something. But he only has that one box. Yeah. So. Well, there was stuff on the, on the desk. <laughs> sure. But um, it just leaves with her. And and Nancy McCann, God, she's so good with Mm -hmm. just starting the touch of the waterworks, but not full on. This is not a full on crying. This is a, I feel like shit. Yep. And she is left there with her own thoughts and having to reflect on, she just ruined his career. No music again. No. Dead silence. Credits roll. Credits still live. Cameras rolling. Yeah. Moving. Not not even a still. Sometimes they will do a still 
and then roll the credits yeah. and or clap track. No, it's they leave the camera rolling and she's just standing there and you can hear the sound of sitcom silence. Yeah. Weight of the world on her shoulders. It's all it's all there. So it ends on this beautifully dramatic moment and in the end it really is it's really a good episode even for how we yes. pick it apart even for these little things it's like it's clearly one of those if it's not an indictment of behavior like Joe's of acting too quickly it it almost is a little bit of I think a well this is what you get when people aren't clear with each other this is yeah, I, I feel. I seriously feel like, yeah, Joe is left alone with the the destruction that she has created. Yes, but the I show consider... the show lays the weight of the consequences on her. Yeah, and yeah. I absolutely hold him culpable. Yes, partially culpable. Yep, and for all the good stuff, particularly for talking about facts and how they don't really exist anymore in modern society, but it. That would have been a lovely little addendum for him to say. For like, when he says, "How do we end up on the opposite sides of the fence?" It would have been nice for him to reflect and say, "Wow, well, I sure played that wrong." Yeah, maybe I don't belong in a classroom. Maybe I do need to get back to the paper. Maybe you've done me a favor. Who knows? Some little thing yeah. to comfort her to a tiny extent, and for him to own up to the fact that, like you said, when when all that behavior shakes down. It's shitty. It's that's not being a good teacher, well, and that's not walking your talk. So yeah, so this wraps up yet another episode, and we're I think we're back as far as those first couple episodes of season three were a little rough. Mm-hmm. Like they had a, I think they enjoyed their summer vacation too much. Sure, trying to ramp up into little little residual cocaine from all the partying. <laughs> And, um, well, at that point, they had a hit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so but this is, we're, we're back in spite of the fact, who the fuck are we giving notes and saying, fix this and all oh, that. Oh, sure. It's a good show. Absolutely. It really was good. And, uh, it was a thoroughly enjoyable episode. I loved it. The performances are really great. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was very engaged in the subject matter. I, it was. But hopefully this will not be the last time. I do not want it we, to be the last time. Uh, that we do this. There is a tremendous amount of editing that will have happened before this reaches <laughs> the public at large because we've been enjoying just talking and bullshitting because we've never hung out before. That's and, true. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that needs to continue, but let's for now sign off and I'll say thank you, Joe Lorenz, and uh, we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Thank you so much for having me, David. This is awesome. And there you have it. That was Joe Lorenz. What a great guy. What a nice guy. I'm looking forward to working more with him. That's a good thing. Um, while we were speculating on how old Roy is in the episode, I, I can't believe I didn't do this. It's such a me thing to do is that I can't believe I didn't check to see what the actual actor's age was while we were speculating how old the character was. In fact, actor Lauren Lester... Uh, was 21 at the time. And even though Joe was 17, you all know, she's two years younger in real life, so Nancy McKeon was 15, being courted by a 21-year-old. Yeah, a little on the gross side. Um, But fortunately, if that makes you uncomfortable, just know that last season, Eddie, Clark Brandon, Joe's fiancé, was 22 when they were going to run off and get married when she was... 14. Yeah. Let's just let's just move right along and not really dwell on this and what a different time it was and how inappropriate was so appropriate once upon a time. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was that I did do an IMDB check and this is the last episode where we see Sue, Sue Ann and Cindy as students at Eastland. Nancy is not done yet. Nancy has two more episodes coming up this season, and then she also goes away permanently. And by go away permanently, in fact, we know there is one additional episode where the three of them do come back, no Molly. But it's uh, in episode uh, episode six of season eight, entitled The Little Chill. And it is a reunion episode where... Nancy, Sue Ann, and Cindy do come back and say hello to Blair and Joe and Tootie and Natalie at Over Our Heads. 
and they reminisce and I don't remember much more and wow season eight is just so so far away how about we discover that when we discover that um last bit is correction I was talking about fast accurate concise true and I said that the teacher had created an anagram that's not an anagram that's an acronym I got it wrong later in the episode Joe does say um, Joe, Joe Lorenz, my guest Joe, not Joe Palnicek, he says uh, acronym correctly. So Joe is uh, clearly smarter than I am, which now makes me uh, want to rethink how much I'm interested in furthering our friendship. Hmm. Well, next week I'm going to be watching Season 3, Episode 6. That's called Give and Take, and that's going to, of course, as every week, have a super awesome, terrific, amazing special guest. But... That's all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle facethefactspod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.